You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is another Thursday on the Outer Sight Podcast on the Liberty Boys Network. That's right, Thursday. It was the July 4th weekend, so I was unavailable to do a podcast for Monday. But I'm back here on Thursday because I know you guys love the content. I'm here and uh, we got a repeat performer coming in hot, hot like the goddamn weather this week. Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers, of course. I mean, who else would I have on this podcast? Um, We're going to talk a little NBA finals and then we're going to talk about his piece that is really interesting because it's something that I've been worried about for quite a while now. It's the rapidly increasing challenge that is the Eastern Conference. So we're going to talk about that. But uh, first, Harrison, I got to ask you, much like last week, you, you're not out here still doing lawn maintenance in this heat, are you? Because if you are, I swear before Christ. Well, I actually was supposed to today. I, oh, I was God. I know, I know. And I think I think the funny part is today or, or the day in which we're actually recording this, it's actually hotter than the last time that we did. I think it's like seven degrees hotter. It's it's ridiculous, but but you know, someone's gotta mow the lawn, so someone has to do it. Listen it to be me. Listen. I, I understand that lawn maintenance is one of those things that every American, every person around the world might have to do. But for the sake of your health, can you not do it when the sun god Ra is literally over your head? Like, I feel like that. Be concerned. I'm concerned about your health, Harrison. OK, well, well, I'm, I'm probably concerned, too, at this point. But, <laughs> but the weather gods aren't exactly smiling down on me. In fact, it's the complete opposite, because. All the other days this week where it's not blistering outside, it's raining. And obviously I, I can't do I can't mow in the rain. So they're, they're not giving me much choice here. See, ra- mowing in the rain is actually a challenge and it's actually kind of fun when you think about it. Because OK, may- maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> let's just start with another hot topic. Uh, the Phoenix Suns and game one of the NBA finals. See, see what I did there? That that nice little transition, that seamless transition. I'm, I'm getting way better in my podcasting skills. Uh, the Suns won game one of the NBA finals, 118-105 on Tuesday night. We're recording this Wednesday. And sadly, I have news to report. If you haven't already heard, the homie Dario Saric has a torn ACL, so he will not be playing in the remainder of the finals. That that being said, who who do we root for now? It, it's, I mean, it's tough to say. If you're a Sixers fan, I would say the Milwaukee Bucks, just with hesitation, because they're they're a division or not a division, but a conference rival. Um, obviously, Giannis is not a liked player um to most Sixers fans but 
I'm someone, and and I think I can speak for most Sixers fans, that that is always going to root for Drew Holiday. Uh, Great player, even better person. So um, I think I'm jumping on the Bucks bandwagon, even though it's not really a bandwagon because it seems like most people are favoring the Suns, even with this Dario injury. But but yeah, that Dario injury, man, that that's such a bummer. That that was honestly one of the worst case scenarios when when that happened last night. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty awful to think about. Not just for the finals, but you know, from a long term perspective, he's probably gonna miss all of next season, if not the majority of it. I, I would say he probably misses at least like three quarters of the season, probably next year. Yeah, I, I think maybe, and, and this is me being optimistic, maybe he could return at some point if, if they make the playoffs. But but I don't know. I If I'm Phoenix, I would be extra conservative with it and just hold him out. Yeah, they don't really have any need to really rush him back or anything like that. So that, that's fine. Take all the rest you need, homie, and we'll, we'll see you next year. Uh, I looks like I'm zigging when everybody else is zagging because I'm kind of in it for Phoenix. I know I've discussed this before and like, how can you root for Phoenix when they have Robert Sarver as an owner who is like at the absolute worst? Well, they do have Monty Williams and one time Sixer Mikael Bridges for all of like, what was that? An hour and a half. You brought that up. I'm sorry. You brought that up. I'm sorry. I had to do it. It's one of the reasons why I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. that and Chris Paul, because let's let's be real. Chris Paul has had he's been in this league for so long. He's had so many chances at a ring. Like, I'm just glad to see him finally get one. And for him to drop 32 and nine in his first NBA finals game, that was just that was just chef's kiss right there. It's funny that you use Mikhail as one of your points for sons, <laughs> because with me, it's the complete opposite. And it's nothing to do with Mikhail. Mikhail's a great guy. He's obviously an awesome player. I have been and always will be a big Mikhail Bridges guy. But the thing that makes it so damn annoying is that literally, and, and maybe it's just my timeline, maybe it's the people I'm following on Twitter, but every single time the Suns win a game or Mikhail does something good, like tweets and, and photos just flood my timeline of Mikhail's Bridges wearing a Sixers cap and it's just gone to the point where it's it's infuriating and it's annoying. And it's like, yeah, that trade didn't necessarily work out like it was originally intended, but it doesn't have to be brought up after every single Suns win or every time Mikhail does something good. Right. I don't know, that's just me personally. The, the the overboarding is a little bit much, you guys, with the Mikhail Bridges stuff. Like, come on. Like, we, we understand that we should have had him, could have had him, whatever, but know what it's it's fine everything's fine we didn't come out like exact bandits but we're, we're okay we're fine uh so what was the big thing that you noticed from game one that made you scratch your head and just like oh they're doing that okay because i'll i'll tell you something right off the bat and maybe you're thinking the same thing i am but the the constant switching that the Suns got, be it Chris Paul or Devin Booker, getting switched onto Brooke Lopez and Milwaukee just not going away from that. Like, fellas, you can't ask Brooke Lopez to guard those guys. I'm sorry. Like, you're, you're just going to get carved up. If that's your plan, then, yeah, the parade's going to happen in Phoenix, you guys. 
Yeah, I, I actually think that was one of the bigger takeaways for me. I, I think Phoenix, you could definitely see what their game plan was, and it was to attack Brook Lopez, which is smart, considering the Bucks have three who I would consider really good defenders with, with Giannis. Um, Drew Holiday, obviously, is a talented defender. And, and I think Chris Milton is a better defender than most people give credit for. I would agree with that. Um, so you could definitely see what Phoenix's plan was. I'm not sure if I would label it much as a head scratcher, but one of the biggest takeaways I had last night or, or the things that I was most surprised with was definitely how good Giannis looked considering this yeah. was back in, what was it, like a week and a half or, or two playoff games. He didn't look 100%. I wouldn't go that far, but I felt like he looked good, um, which is good to see. You know, it's good to, to see that they didn't necessarily rush him back. Now, obviously, I, I think it's a circumstantial situation being in the finals, Giannis obviously wants to be out there. Uh, but I felt like he, he looked good. He definitely held his own. He produced. Um, and, and that's a big thing because I think without Giannis, I think this is a relatively quick series for Phoenix. Who, 100%. Who just have, in my opinion, they have they have more depth. That Giannis chase down block, probably one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it was very reminiscent of of the LeBron chase down block in the um what was it 2016 finals? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just want to just want to remind you guys that Giannis's knee got bent backwards 90 degrees the opposite way like a week and a half ago. Just I'm just pointing that out. This dude is a freak. Yeah, and, and thank goodness, man. Just you know, from an NBA fan perspective, it's really good that that injury wasn't that serious. Right. Giannis is a part of this ever increasing uh, difficulty of the Eastern Conference. And this is what leads me to the piece that you wrote. Uh, I've been getting more and more worried about this for a while. Uh, Miami came out of nowhere last year. Boston is always hanging around. Brooklyn is going to be a problem depending on how long they keep Kyrie, KD, and Harden together. Milwaukee is always going to be there. And then let's just start with Indiana. Uh, that's a massive upgrade going to Rick Carlisle. That is a massive upgrade. Yeah, so the Indiana Pacers were a team that I actually got wrong last year. I thought that they were going to make a pretty big jump. They were going to be within the top five of, of the East pretty definitively just because they have so many good players on that team. TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, now they added Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis, now an all-star. Uh, Miles Turner, defensive player of the year candidate. And then you just go down the bench and – it's an incredibly deep team and it just didn't pan out that way. You can blame the feuding with Nate Bjorken, uh, who was now fired. Uh, they replaced him with Rick Carlisle, who, like you said, that, that is a big, big upgrade. That's arguably one of the best coaches in the league that you're bringing in now. Yep. Um, now you factor in TJ Warren, finally getting healthy, Miles Turner, hopefully getting healthy. Karis LeVert obviously getting healthy. And that's a team that I think is really primed to be a top five team in the East. And I definitely think they will be, uh, if not higher. And let's not 
leave out the Charlotte Hornets who were 10th in the standings last season. But Charlotte's another one of those young teams that they are going to be a problem in like a couple of years or so if they build the right way. I mean, I know I know Malik Monk is a restricted free agent, so they're going to have to deal with him. But like, you know, they, they have ball, they have Rogier, Devontae Graham, if they can hold on to him. Um, like Charlotte, the forty million dollar man, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, like Charlotte, Charlotte's building something there. Like what it is, I don't know because they still don't have you know any size really. But I, I mean, Charlotte's at least fun. Like they they could be young and hungry and like frisky for a couple of months. Yeah, Charlotte's going to be an intriguing situation because I think they have some pieces now that they can work with. Obviously, the biggest being LaMelo Ball, Rookie of the Year. Yep. So I, I think Charlotte's season for, for this upcoming year will depend heavily on how much of a jump he takes in his sophomore year. Um, they s- now also have some cap space to play around with. They have a little bit, not, not as much as, as some of the teams I'm sure we're going to talk about here later on. Um but, but Charlotte's a really intriguing situation, and I think that having a year where they nearly made the playoffs, they, they didn't win um, in the playing tournament, I think that team's going to come back hungrier. Um, and obviously how their free agency shakes out, you alluded to this, Malik Monk, a restricted free agent, also Devontae Graham, a restricted free agent. What they do with, with those two players along with – with a possible sign-in trade or or any free agents. Cody Zeller is a free agent now. Uh, Depending on what they do, that could be a very interesting team coming up on this next NBA season. Chicago, I don't even want to talk about because I don't even know what the hell Chicago is trying to do. So, like, I (laughs) from from the front office to the bench to the players, I have no idea what the hell Chicago is trying to do. So I'm just I'm writing them off. Like, I'm tired of hearing the like, oh, Chicago might be a sneaky eight seed. I've lost too much money on betting on the Bulls to make the playoffs. Like, I'm done with you, Chicago. I'm done. (laughs) However. Are you completely convinced that Toronto are, are we convinced that Toronto's done? No, I, I think Toronto's going to be primed for a huge offseason just in terms of what they got. They moved up in the lottery to the four spot. So, you know, depending on what happens, I, I think you can pretty much bank on them getting one of the, the Jalens yeah. um, in, the, in the top five, which, listen, that's pretty good. Keep in mind, you also had Fred, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. Um, Malachi Flynn also showed some flashes. And then you'll also have a possible Kyle Lowry sign-in trade, which let's face it, that's probably how that's going to shake out just because he'll want to go to a contender. There's no real contending team out there right now with ample cap space. So the only way that they're going to acquire him is through a sign-in trade. And then there's also... The, the name that was on the top of my mind, I, I was thinking of it and it wasn't coming. Just came back now. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Who, Gary Trent Jr. Who all signs have pointed back that they're going to keep him in restricted free agency. And we still don't know really how good he is. I, I think bare minimum, he's a really, really good six man. Uh, but but who knows? He, he could definitely pan out to be something. And all of a sudden along with Nick Nurse being one of the better coaches in the NBA, they, they have a lot to work with. 
Yeah, I don't think Toronto's done yet. And I think people would be foolish to write them off right away. Uh, one, one team I'm probably going to end up writing off, even though I'm probably going to regret it my halfway through the season is the Wizards. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Brad Beal. I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Gafford and Bertans and what's going to go. How is Rui Hashimura going to be in year two? I I and then their top 10 pick this year. I, I forget his name. He got in, he got hurt midseason. It's probably why I don't yeah, remember his obvious. name. Obvious. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but great things about that kid. Washington seems to have a lot of question marks, as does Boston a little bit. I don't know what Boston's going to try to do. Like they're going to build around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which is something they should have done for years. I don't know why they weren't just doing that. But between Washington and Boston, who do you feel like is going to have better upside next year and for the next couple of years? Well, I think from a short-term perspective, I think it would be the Wizards just simply due to Bradley Beal being the caliber of player that he is right now. And Russell Westbrook, while obviously uh, it's it's a love-hate with him, he is a productive player. He's a walking triple-double. So that backcourt alone is really talented. But if we're talking about from a long-term perspective, I definitely think it's the Boston Celtics. Uh, they traded for Al Horford, who – a lot of Philly fans won't remember this because they've cho- chosen to forget this. And, and uh-huh. I don't blame y'all for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the final year of his deal is only partially guaranteed, which means that they can waive him. And all of a sudden they have some cap space, not this summer, but possibly next summer to spend. And I think if you're Boston, that's the summer of Giannis, isn't it? Or no, it's not. He got the Supermax. Never mind. No longer, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm it sorry, is, Milwaukee is. fans. I didn't mean to scare the hell out of you real quick like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is possibly the summer of Bradley Beal. Oh, God. Is obviously very close with. Uh, so that might be something interesting to watch. Jalen Brown, J- Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal. Just just kill me now. Oh, yeah. That's a three headed monster on the just kill me. <laughs> but but they then they have cap space. They have all their first round selections outside of this year to work with. Um, so I think from a long-term perspective, I definitely think Boston is, is the right answer. What is Miami going to do? They have Bam, they have Jimmy. Oladipo. I, what, I don't know what's going on with him. Like Miami's weird. Miami's another one of those weird teams where I'm thinking, I'm looking at the roster and I'm looking and I'm like, I am not, I, I like some of the pieces. I just don't know if I like the sum of the pieces. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And Miami is going to be a team where they're either going to live or die by free agency because their first round picks are completely drained at this point, even more so after doing the Oladipo deal. Um, so Miami's offseason will be really intriguing. Can they get a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry? That's something that they were trying to do last year they'll have a lot of cap space to probably work with. They have team options on Goran Dragic and Andre Iguodala for a combined 34 million plus. So they can generate a lot of cap space. The the question marks that will definitely surround their team though, will be what do they do with Victor Oladipo? Right. I'm assuming assuming they made that trade in mind to resign him, get a good look at him up close 
So that will be an intriguing thing to watch. Victor Oladipo obviously wants a payday, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, which is really awful to see as, as he was a really entertaining player when healthy. Um, so that's that's where Miami is either going to win or, or just completely lose out is in free agency because realistically speaking, that's the only way that they can improve from here on out. As impressive as Atlanta was this season and tip, sorry, you got to do it. Tip of the cap to the Atlanta Hawks beat us in seven tip of the cap to you. But this off season, you got the whole John Collins thing to deal with. And you are going to have to open the bag for that man. Uh, how like does Atlanta, hold on to him like i don't know how you pay collins and capella and seemingly have to give trey young a giant bag like i don't know how you do that so the atlanta hawks are going to be a team that's going to be really interesting to watch in terms of how they navigate uh from a salary standpoint obviously yes the the short-term question is definitely john collins who I think after this postseason, I think there might be a team or two that will be willing to throw him a, a max offer sheet. <laughs> do, do the Sacramento Kings have a max slot? Because I would bank on them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, De'Aaron Fox lobs to John Collins would be incredible. Oh, my God. But, yes. But um, a, a team that that I think would be a great fit, who I know a lot of people have also pointed this out. Uh, would be the San Antonio Spurs. I think that would be kind of oh, thing. John Collins just has that San Antonio Spurs face, doesn't he? He just has a face <laughs> like he should be playing for the Spurs. I, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly what you're getting at. Listen, so. look at David Robinson. Listen, do a split screen. Look at David Robinson. Look at Tim Duncan and look at John Collins. And then, you know what? Put LaMarcus Aldridge in there, too. They all have that one like resting face where it's just like there's no personality to them and they're just there to play basketball. That's it. <laughs> that I'm, is a San Antonio Spurs of big man. That is the epitome of the Spurs big man right there. I, I mean, yeah, if you, you want to go with that, we can go. With that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about how about? John Collins to the, the next team I want to talk about. What about John Collins to the Knicks? Does that make sense? Collins and Randall together? Because I'm pretty sure the Knicks have a max slot. Yeah, the Knicks can actually generate a max slot. Um, that would be interesting. though. Or I would they be fishing for somebody bigger? I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I'm looking for someone to be a great fit alongside Randall. And if you look at their roster, you all obviously have Julius Randle who, who blossomed this year. Um, you also used your your seventh or ninth, I forget which one, overall pick literally a year ago on another power forward, Obi Toppin. Mm. So if I'm the Knicks, the, the next step would probably be looking for a point guard of some kind. I don't know if they would risk it all for Damian Lillard that would be kind of interesting you know assuming if he becomes available um but if I'm the Knicks I'm definitely looking for a perimeter oriented player because RJ Barrett has obviously improved as a perimeter shooter Julius Randle as well 
But I think both of those guys are, are best suited in a role where they're getting to the rim. So they aren't necessarily relying on that shot, but they can shoot it if they so choose, if that makes sense. If I'm the Knicks, I'm looking really hard at the Kyle Lowry situation, because if he's not signed and traded, then I just try to outbid Toronto and just say, all right, Toronto wants to give you this. Like, I don't think Toronto is going to give him anything close to like a super max kind of deal or anything like that. But if the Knicks come in with like a three year close to the max deal, that's not terrible. No, I, I think when you're talking about Kyle Lowry, I think realistically what he's going to get is going to be in the 15 to $20 million range per year. That would be my guess. I, I just can't see any team throwing a max contract at a 35, 36 year old point guard that while Kyle Lowry has aged really, really well for a guard, I, I just don't think that's feasible, but that is interesting though that you bring that up. The, the only way that I would see that not happening would be from Lowry's side. I think if I'm Lowry, I want to go to a team where it's a bona fide contender if I'm on it. Um, and I'm not sure if he would make the Knicks that. I think the Knicks would be a good playoff team, but I, I don't see him beating Brooklyn, Philly, even if they stay as currently constructed, or Milwaukee. Kind of like the Chris Paul thing to Phoenix almost, where Chris Paul was just like, okay, I crunched all the numbers. If I go to Phoenix, I can probably contend right away. Yeah, I, I think Phoenix, though, I think Phoenix, you had uh, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. You had guys that that are, are a lot younger uh, than, than what New York has. I mean, uh, R.J. Barrett is young. But I definitely think if you would have told me the Phoenix Suns were to make the playoffs a year ago, and be a really good playoff team with Chris Paul, I probably wouldn't have doubted that. Um, if you Now, if you would have told me that about the Knicks, I, I definitely would have been like, like what? <laughs> so I, I definitely think it it's, was much less of a surprise, at least in my opinion. Now we get to the big three. Milwaukee, who are in the finals right now. Giannis is locked in to the Supermax. Middleton is part two of the big three and then holiday got his new deal. So Milwaukee is going to have to play in those margins really hard. Um, God, I, mm, I, I think they've gotten really lucky hitting on some of these signings and graphics that they've hit. Dante DiVincenzo was injured for most of the season. So we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. But I, I don't know, man. Like, how much longer could the Bucks luck kind of run here? I, I think it entirely depends on what they put around them, um, which is going to be entirely th through free agency from here on out because they shipped the majority of their draft picks away in the Drew Holiday deal. So retaining Dante DiVincenzo and restricted free agency, that's going to be a big point for them uh, to do. And then there's also the question about Bobby Portis, who has completely outperformed his contract that he signed with that team. I think there's going to be something that throws him around 10 million a year would be my guess, just because he shot above 45% from three on a decent amount of attempts. He can Unbelievable. He's really good. He, he priced himself out of a Sixers jersey. Damn you, Bobby Portis. 
it, it's funny it's funny you brought him up he, he's like the best stretch big target i think in this uh free agency class absolutely and and i there's there's no way he ends up being a sixer i, I just don't think milwaukee allows it now when it comes to working within the margins uh in the eastern conference one team that probably has it worse off than anybody is the brooklyn nets because i think we crunched the numbers on this but if kd harden and irving all get super max deals with the nets brooklyn will literally have like no money to fill the rest of the roster out with and that's not good when you have when you also have no draft picks yeah so brooklyn's gonna be a really intriguing team to watch uh because like you said they are gonna have to work into the margins and even with the deals that those big three are on harden's on a super max uh kevin durant's on a full max kyrie irving took a bit of a pay cut to allow deandre jordan to be on the roster but he's basically a near max guy so the the big question with that would be bruce brown who i think someone's gonna throw a big offer at because he was a really really good role player for them uh this year he was in detroit too but i i think brooklyn and and the popularity of that team having all those stars is is really gonna benefit him i think a team is gonna see a guy who can switch from honestly one to five i there were moments this year where Brooklyn ran him as their, their center and actually got good results. Yep. So I, I think some team is going to throw him a, a bid that Brooklyn just doesn't want to match because they're already so, so deep into the luxury tax. So Brooklyn's going to really have to navigate this offseason by finding value in, in vet minimum deals, such as Jeff Green, who was really good for them this year. Is Blake Griffin willing to sign a vet minimum? I would say probably at this point in his career. And then also there's there's rumors coming out that Kevin Love wants to be there in the event of a buyout with the Cavs. So that's going to be the key to Brooklyn, in my opinion. And then what do they do with Dinwiddie? Because they have to do something about him, too. I, I think the writing is on the wall with Dinwiddie. Um, he already, I believe, he turned down his player option. Um realistically Brooklyn isn't going to pay him over 10 million at that point. Oh God, no. Well, well keep in mind, they're so deep into the luxury tax paying what would be like, let's say 15 million. That could be over 30 million plus it actually, it would be, it would be way more than that probably for just Spencer Dinwiddie. So Listen, like the Brooklyn Nets are a win now team. They will be a contender next season and probably for the foreseeable future in the short term. But if if I'm the Brooklyn Nets owner and I'm paying that much money, you know, I just don't see that being feasible. And I also think if I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I would be kind of annoyed that my name was constantly being mentioned in trade chip discussions. Yep even when I'm hurt. So I, I think the writing's on the wall with that situation. I think he's going to go cash out and, and possibly secure a bigger role on another team, maybe like the New York Knicks even. Uh, yeah, the, the Knicks. Uh, I was about to say Miami for a second, but I don't think they have the cash space to get Dinwiddie down there. Even that, like, that would be fun, I think. Um, then we get to the Sixers, of course. There's all, there's all kinds of questions. 
is is a Simmons signing trade going to happen? Given how much better the Eastern Conference is going to be next year and for the next coming years, do you like the position that the Sixers are in from a roster standpoint and from a cap slash assets management standpoint? That's a loaded question. So I'm full of loaded questions on this podcast. You know that, Harrison. You should know that by now. I'm used to it. Yeah. (laughs) So from from a roster standpoint, I definitely think they're not in a bad situation. Like there's a lot of people overblowing what's going on with the Sixers. I feel like, yes, uh, Ben Simmons obviously did lay an egg in the postseason. Most of that overblowing coming from local media. But go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So. So from a salary standpoint, I don't love it just because at this point, uh, Tobias's deal, even with how he was in the regular season, he is overpaid. I love him. He performed well. That just is what it is. So you have a good chunk of salary, a near max deal being a negative value contract. And, and, and he looked much better in this year's playoffs. He looked way better in this year's playoffs. Uh, apart from like two and a half games against the Atlanta series, I agree. I, I think he was much better. Um, and, and now you have Ben Simmons, who his value at, at this point is going to be plummeted. Is his deal a negative value contract? You know, that's actually a question now. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to, to you to decide that. So let, let me just let me just ask this. Okay. Is Ben Simmons's contract right now worse than Westbrook's contract? Oh, absolutely not. I is, so. is it worse than John Wall's contract? No. Then I, I honestly think that I think people need to calm down a little bit. Like the contract for what you're paying for, it's not terrible. It's not the 40 million you're shelling out for John Wall or the 45 or whatever it is you're shelling out for Westbrook. I think that aspect is way overblown. Yeah, but but the main point that I'm getting at with, with all the salary implications is you have three players in Embiid, Simmons, and Harris making up 70 plus percent of your salary payroll. And that really limits you in what you can do unless you're moving one of those guys. And Two of those three contracts might not be that easy to move. I think you could get a lot for Joel Embiid, but obviously that's well, out of the yeah. question. Um, so that leaves you with with George Hill's deal, which has some value, but it can only get you to around $10 million in terms of matching salary and deals. And then you have Danny Green, who may or may not be on his way out. And unless you're doing a sign-in trade with him, that salary basically disappears for, for a while and, until you throw a contract at, at Thibel or Maxi or someone when that time comes. So that limits you even more. So from a, from a financial standpoint, I don't love where the Sixers are. But that being said, they are in a much better place than they were a year ago. They also have that Al Horford trade exception worth over $8 million. So they do have some stuff to play around with. They do have some flexibility. And let's face it, if anyone can fix it, it's Daryl Morey. I was just going to say, if there's one general manager I trust without fail to work within the margins, it's Daryl goddamn Morey. 
he'll do great. And if you just look at what he did last year in basically a week uh, in the short and off season, he turned one year of Josh Richardson and Al Horford's bloated contract into Seth Curry, who we've said many times is an incredible contract. Um, and then Danny Green obviously was productive this year. And now all of a sudden it, it lessens their payroll. Maybe they'll be able to resign him. So we'll see with that. But what he did in a shortened time, I think it was really good. So it'll be really interesting to see what he does given a full-ish summer. Do you think the Sixers are at kind of a advantage because Daryl Morey is running the front office compared to other teams like, you know, Boston with Brad Stevens. He's in there first year. Uh, Worldwide West is with the Knicks. I like what he did in one year. Let's see what he does in the coming years. Like, I, I think because the Sixers have Daryl Morey in the GM chair, I, I think that's an advantage for them as far as like how to compete with the rest of the Eastern Conference. Oh, yeah. Daryl Morey, and I would be saying this if he wasn't the Sixers president, but Daryl Morey is one of the best, if not the best minds in basketball. And what he did in Houston and his track record uh, is incredibly revolutionary to the game. Uh, so there is an advantage with that. I, I think Daryl Morey, he's worked in margins before. Keep in mind, he dug up talented players who were free agents or even G League players in Houston. Uh, Daniel House. Daniel House. Gerald Green being another. So if anyone can work in these small margins and listen, the Sixers are strapped a little bit in terms of assets with, with draft picks. They only owe one first round pick to OKC in 2025. Outside of that, they own all their foreseeable draft picks. So Daryl Morey has that to work with. Uh, he has some contracts that he can work with, as I alluded to before. George Hill is one of them. He's got some room to work with, more so than he did in Houston. So I am optimistic with him running the show. And I and it should not be understated. Daryl's not going to make a trade just to make a trade. Like he's gonna he he is gonna look two three moves ahead and figure out what the heck this one move is gonna do. Absolutely, you you can put those trades the the CJ McCollum Ben Simmons trades. You can put those to rest. Those that those is not happening. Aren't happening. I feel good. I I feel. Very good. And I'm happy to watch these NBA finals. And if I'm the only one rooting for Mikael Bridges as a Sixers fan, that's fine. I'll I'll jump on that grenade for everybody. That's fine. Uh, but everybody enjoy the NBA finals. And it's going to be another fun offseason. It's always a fun offseason here in this town. Harrison Grimm, always love having you on the podcast. Uh, where can people find your stuff, talk to you, interact with you, all that fun stuff? Yeah, so so the best way to reach me, uh, see, see all of what I'm talking about, all my work, uh, you can check out my Twitter, Harrison underscore Grimm, that's Grimm with two M's. And then obviously all and any writing content will be found on Liberty Ballers. Harrison Grimm, always love having you on. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Stay off the lawn if the temperature gauge is over 95. <laughs> Sounds good, man. You Jesus. stay cool, too. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. 